Welcome to Seeking Alpha's Wall Street Breakfast, your daily source of market news and analysis. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Welcome to Seeking Alpha Editor's Roundtable, What Moved Markets This Week for the week ending Friday, November 5th. Another very eventful week. We had the long-awaited Fed meeting, where the Fed basically surprised absolutely nobody. We had a bunch of earnings reports, which were mostly positive, and we had today non-farm payrolls, and all of it led to a broad rally for stocks, the fifth straight week that the major indexes have advanced here across the board. And so I'm curious about what the panel of Seeking Alpha editors has to say about all of this, their reaction to the Fed and other things. And I will introduce them now in no particular order, joined by Brad Olison, VP of News, Kim Kahn, Senior News Editor, and Stephen Alfer, Managing Editor of Breaking News. I am your host and moderator, Nathaniel E. Baker, Senior Editor of Strategic Contributors. So let's go to Glasgow first to our friend Kim to give us the big picture view of what moved markets this week. It looks like the NASDAQ is going to get its 10th up day in a row. And that pretty much tells you a lot of what, what you need to know about where this market's been going. We're in record territory for the broader market. A lot of that, I think, has to do with the movement we've seen in rates. And I know we've talked about the Fed doing what was expected, but the Bank of England did something that was not expected. It kept rates steady, totally fooling market who had totally priced in a 15 basis point hike, pulling out rugs out from under a lot of traders. And uh, UBS called it playing the quid game instead of the squid game. But it was just as punishing if you were short, um, you know, near term duration in, in the UK to your gilts, you know, tumbled by 20 basis points in one session. And now we've got the uh, 10-year treasury yield, and that's down 20 basis points from its high. It's around 1.45%, and you know it's below its 50-day moving average. And what we're getting is, first of all, that Bank of England move kind of belied the idea that this, this is going to be this global rate liftoff that's going to start with the BOE. And then we have the jobs report today, which came in and much better than expected. Stocks liked it. Um, great revisions on the payroll number. Uh, but you know, there's enough to focus on for the for the um, bond longs to to go in and punish these shorts some more with the um, um, employment participation rate staying steady, and that's become a you know a big thorn in the side for the Fed who really wants to see what it's calling substantial progress, but people still aren't jumping into this you know labor market as fast as they would like. Yeah. By the way, references to Squid Games are going to be lost on me as I have not still not seen that program. But an eventful week, as we've said, lots of earnings and a lot of winners and losers there. Stocks have bounced around quite a bit. And so interesting to see who the winners and losers are. And with that, let's go to Brad. So just starting from the top down, you know, consumer discretionary names and, and technology names were among the best uh, performing stocks this this week. Uh, for for one, in the technology space, it was a lot of chip makers. Qualcomm blew it out of the park with some of its outlook. Um, Nvidia, uh, a major chip maker and, and graphic graphics processor uh, producer, did extremely well, partially because 
of a Wells Fargo note touting its exposure to the metaverse, which got a lot of attention last week with Facebook's renaming. A lot of other names followed suit. AMD, Applied Materials, KLA Tencor, and NXP Semi also recorded double-digit moves. Um, also within the strongest winners, consumer discretionary, as I mentioned before, there were some bullish underlying earnings from uh, Canadian Goose, Under Armour, Tapestry, Philips Van Heusen, uh, CarMax, and some of the reopening names like Royal Caribbean, uh, Norwegian Cruise Line, and Car- Carnival Cruise, um, some of which also reported earnings. And we also can't forget Tesla, a huge participant in the consumer discretionary sector, added another 11% to its extraordinary week last week. And, and just to kind of, Tesla gets a lot of attention because of the options, you know, the underlying options activity related um, to its shares. There's an interesting note from Goldman this past, past week that talked about how in October, you know, you saw some of the highest average volume per day in single stock options. And also from Goldman, they recommended selling the $1,200 calls in Tesla. You obviously would not have done well selling calls in Tesla for the past few years, um, but I thought that was just kind of a notable call from them uh, touting the, the, the risk reward there. Um, and I guess we have to talk about electric vehicles, partially because of Tesla last week and Hertz. That story got a little bit more complicated as Hertz had to kind of backtrack, say that there was no, you know, there's no real contract signed. That was from Elon Musk, actually, and Hertz is kind of sidestepping a little bit of that news. Avis Budget, uh, another rental car company, almost doubled after their earnings. They beat, I think, Wall Street consensus by more than 60%, and they also touted their their potential moves into the EV space. Um, That kind of got some of the meme vibes going, I guess, for, for part of this week as well. You had Bed Bath & Beyond go crazy uh, after their results and buyback plans. That just kind of exploded most of the activity. I think AMC and GameStop also did well uh, this week on the back of that. But that was on the bullish side. No surprise when reopening names do well, as I mentioned with some of the consumer discretionary names, you're going to have some of the names that did well during the pandemic sell off a little bit. Moderna and Merck dragged down the entire healthcare segment, uh, outweighing most of the names in the S&P 500 healthcare sector, even though about 33 of the 60 some odd were in the green. Uh, Part of that was due to the Pfizer's positive pill news, similar to what happened with Merck a couple of weeks ago. Um, And then also among those losers in the the reopening names, we saw Peloton, which I think is the news of the week, dropping about 30% on the back of earnings there. Obviously a darling during the work from home, Uh, pandemic issues, Obviously, their forecast has failed to live up to expectations. Uh, just a quick tout for our, our quant team here at Seeking Alpha. Uh, they wrote out a couple of notes that you may want to look at, touting the fact that they kind of foresaw this Peloton uh, disaster coming in shares. Also, um, among the higher flyers that are still weaker over the course of the past few weeks, Zoom, uh, well off its highs. Uh, and Zillow, I think, was kind of one of the, one of the next biggest stories of the week shuttering its, its flipping business. And, um, you know, they took a massive write down with their earnings and, and are well off the highs there. Uh, just to note, one of their competitors, Open Door, which also gets into the home flipping buying, home flipping and buying business, uh, says they continue to try to, to double down in that space. So a lot of moving parts this week, as you said, Nate. Very interesting. All right. Uh, next up, Stephen Alfer joining us from what appears to be an underwater location somewhere. At least his background is different this week if you're watching the video. Go ahead, Stephen. Uh, yeah, it's uh, one of the newsier weeks 
in my memory, uh, it combined massive amounts of earnings reports with all the macro news uh, that went on. It's actually hard to pick anything out. Kind of overwhelming just to pick out a couple couple of things to talk about. I'll quickly talk about uh, Mondelez earnings. Uh, Mondelez, if you know if you're buying some sort of a, a processed brand in the in the supermarket, there's a pretty good chance it's a Mondelez brand. Think of Oreos, cookies, Ritz crackers, any number of other another any other number of brands. Uh, CFO Luca. Zaramella on their earnings call. What we're seeing at the moment is that elasticities are more benign than they have been historically. I'll translate that. That means price increases are not leading to volume declines. So uh, they're they're having no issues pushing price increases through. Um, but at the same time, you have their customers, which are, are not, not necessarily me and you who buy Oreos, but it's uh, places like Kroger and Albertsons, they're going gangbusters as well. So um, the price increases are, are ending up going all the way through to the consumers and, and nobody's really seeing uh, kind of issue with that. Um, and they say their prices are up about six to 7% across the board. Um, and then on the macro level, you know, Kim talked about it a bit, the UK kind of surprised um, also in Australia, right? Uh, Australia had a bit of a bond market route as it looked like their central bank was going to start tightening. They were going to, they were going to give up, uh, the target of, of 10 basis points, I think, on their two-year note. Uh, they had to walk that back after the bond market route. Uh, I suspect some of the Bank of England's, uh, some of the reason the Bank of England actually didn't tighten this week is because they were concerned about the bond market route. Uh, major hedge fund, Brevin Howard, had its worst monthly loss ever, which is, which is saying quite a bit, uh, probably because they caught, caught on the wrong side of that bond market move. And, you know, the, the action in the 10-year Treasury yield today, down about 13 basis points, there's almost like a buying panic going on right now in long-term Treasuries. Uh, I can't figure out why. The employment report was strong. Uh, we have the, the Pfizer pill combined with the Merck pill combined with the vaccines tells me, you know, that this, this pandemic is, is, is in the rearview mirror, um, but yet... And, and plus, uh, and, but people are flocking to buy, and, and the market's doing well too. Equity market's doing very well too. But for whatever reason, people are flocking uh, to long-dated U.S. Treasuries. Mm, yeah, very interesting. Wow. Yeah, a lot going on. Uh, but let's move on to the second segment of our show where we discuss our favorite stories, articles from contributors, tweets, or other things that we have seen in our travels. I am informed that we cannot choose our own tweets which is unfortunate because I had one ready to go. But let's start with Kim. Well, our friends at Data Tech Research came out with a note on um, retail investor interest, which they gauge through um, Google search trends. And they're saying like the searches for things like buying stocks, investing are, are trending up, which their conclusion is it means some more new, new money coming into the market, which bodes well for a kind of market melt up into the end of the year. Uh, the question is where the money gets deployed, and uh, you know, one a good argument is that the, you know these these search trends are happening not because people want to find the next meme stock, but because they're already seeing these like you know, headlines with you know stocks hitting all time highs every other day. They're seeing Tesla you know turn into a trillion dollar company, and and you know Alphabet on the way to becoming a two trillion dollar company. So they just want to get 
in on the ride, which again would bode well for a kind of broader market run. And, and the other na like names that we've seen that were gaining meme interest have seen it fall off dramatically, most notably um, the Trump's SPAC Dwack, which um, if we note in seeking alpha users are removing from their portfolios at a much quicker pace and they're adding them, even though they had a huge spike up when the deal was first announced. Mm. All right, Brad, what about you? Well, while we're on the topic of, of kind of valuations and and riding some of the momentum, um, I think an interesting item from from Clark Schultz on our news team, just talking about what you need to know about the Rivian IPO. Right, Rivian's an electrical vehicle maker. They're going to debut their their pickup truck um, as kind of you know they started making their deliveries already in September and they're about to come public at a valuation at, at over 60 billion dollars. So this is a company that really hasn't done much yet. It's only really been in, in delivery mode for the past couple of months, but its valuation already rivals that of Ford and GM. It's only a few billion shy of of them. Um, interesting in within their their IPO filing, they tout a total addressable market of nine trillion. Dollars. Um, I feel like I should put a, my pinky to the side of my mouth when I say that. Um, and the serviceable available market at one trillion, they they tout their ability to not only their vehicle technology, but that they have a cloud service element to their offering and product development, analytics accessories, um, and they're basically calling it an ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So you know, one of the more widely anticipated IPOs to expect it to, to come public in the next, uh, you know, few weeks or so. So highly recommend everyone just take a quick look at that and, and read some of our coverage on it because it will, um, not that it'll be Tesla anytime soon, but it's definitely um, nothing to sneeze at. Mm. They're still using the term ecosystem in these marketing materials and it's working. All right. Well, whatever, whatever works, I guess. Steven, what about you? Uh, my favorite story is one that Kim did this morning. Disruptor stocks are getting hammered. Uh, we're talking about some of the work from home favorites, uh, Zillow, Robinhood, Fiverr, Zoom, Zendesk, Peloton, Moderna. Uh, that's just a partial list. There's, there's a few more of these names are down between 40. I mean, they're, they're going down so quickly. I might have to change the numbers, but I'm thinking between 40 and 65% from all time highs. Um, so, you know, the, Disruptor stocks, yes, but also work from they're also work from home favorites. And to the extent that the pandemic is behind us, uh, they're struggling. These stocks were trading at crazy multiples. It doesn't mean they're great companies with with, you know, maybe great futures. But when you're trading at, at such high multiples, you know, all it takes is the most minor of, of missteps for, and and you just get sell, sold off like crazy. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see, either, you know, maybe the, maybe there's some bargains here. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe the pandemic's going to make a comeback, and um, you know, maybe maybe it's a buying opportunity, or maybe they're just going to go back to, you know, they're going to have to deal with deal with the stock market like the, like every other company. Yeah, and continuing in this pandemic reopening uh, play theme, I'm going to highlight uh, some a concept that many of us have probably forgotten about, namely shoes. Now, if you live in a warm climate, you probably haven't worn these things in about 20 months or so. And even if you aren't, uh, you could be forgiven for having forgotten what they are. Well, they go on your feet. You wear them out when you go to events with other people. And uh, a contributor here, Bulls Bay, who is a new contributor to Seeking Alpha, who has quickly gained a lot of acclaim with their really wonderful articles here. And they talk about this issue here with Shoe Carnival, stock symbol SCVL. And they are bullish 
They say this stock has a 25% upside. The market is ignoring the fact that this, they are holding cash and marketable securities. The company has a new partnership with Nike. And yes, people returning to the office, returning to civilization is going to lead to more purchases of shoes. So I found that very interesting this week. And that will conclude our roundup for this week. Thank you all for being with us. Reminder that you can catch this video on Friday afternoons by 4 p.m. at the website seekingalpha.com. And to listen to the slightly more longer audio version, you need to log into the or subscribe to the Wall Street Breakfast podcast account, and you will get that then on Saturday morning at 6.30 a.m. And with that, we thank you for being with us again and look forward to speaking to you again next week. That concludes today's Wall Street Breakfast. Thank you for listening. For the best investment analysis and news on the web, go to SeekingAlpha.com. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. You can sign up for our other podcasts, Behind the Idea, Essay for FAs, Let's Talk ETFs, the Cannabis Investing Podcast, and Marketplace Roundtable on those platforms as well. Have a great day.